another episode of Seeing 2020. I'm Nicolette. And Alice. And we have another guest today. Uh, we have my friend, oh, there was a drum roll. <laughs> we have my friend Tusha. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. That was a nice voice. You have yeah. a good radio voice. Yeah, I know. No, really. oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, that's great. We're going into this so in confidence. about imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, speaking of, this episode is all about imposter syndrome and the idea, we'll explain what that is, but the idea that um, you can walk into a workplace or, I don't know, a place of study slash have any kind of creative pursuit and idea and feel like you're inadequate in executing it. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, so there's a question of whether we're qualified to talk about this at all, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it depends on how you define it, though, right? Obviously, it's not, I mean, are we talking about the clinical side of things, but it's just mainly our experiences. Yeah. Okay, so, so um, imposter syndrome is not recognized in the DSM, okay. it's not an actual psychological condition. Okay. Um, but I think that what we refer to as imposter syndrome is often probably tied up in clinical anxiety, but yeah. like, we should actually just disclose Preface that. that. Um, yeah, and I think that this is a slightly controversial phrase or mm. word or yeah. whatever um, for that reason, um, because it is kind of making it sound clinical and yeah. it's more of like a social phenomenon, I think. Mm. Mm. So I think to keep it um, quite social and casual within the sphere of what we're talking about at least, mm. Uh, I will reference the Wikipedia definition <laughs> when I say We're professionals, guys. when I say that it's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Mm. So basically, this whole episode is about you feeling like you are a fraud at some point because you don't feel like you have enough experience. Um, and I feel like as twenty-something-year-olds, we all kind of feel that because we're like, what experience do we have? Slash, we're currently gaining the experience. Would you guys feel the same way? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point in that, you know, in your 20s, you're sort of doing everything for your, you know, there's a lot of firsts in your 20s. Mm. So I think naturally you lack a lot of the experience that a lot of your colleagues or your peers or, you know, people that you know may have had so far. So, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, for me, I feel that way. Yeah. One of the reasons I thought this would be a kind of good episode and Alice and I thought it would be a good episode is because of something you actually said, Alice. What did I say? You, I remember we were sharing some like creative work oh, with each other. It was other. Me. It was, it me. was you. <laughs> um, you. We were sharing some creative work with each other, and this was only the other week. And you said like being able to share this stuff with you makes my ideas feel like they're worthy of existing and worthy of being shared. Yeah. And so those two things, existing and being shared, and like finding the worthiness in in your own creativity and your pursuits, I think was what triggered me to be like oh we should talk about this and then mm-hmm. like, it launched from there yeah um but i related to that on a like a spiritual level um <laughs> tusha's nodding vehemently yeah. um because i think that having something that's worthy of existing is like that's kind of the first step let's just look at that first yeah i feel like a lot of the time we doubt ourselves to such an extent that we're like actually you know what? i'm not going to write that down or record that yeah. idea that i had or start that business that i think could be a good thing like it just doesn't happen. I think even this podcast is a massive way that we're conquering those kind of thoughts because a hundred percent, like, like on the one hand, obviously we are not qualified to be doing this, like, and we've said that in so many episodes. But at the same time, like, what makes you qualified? Yeah, we we also totally are entitled or qualified or 
allowed to like pursue a creative mm. project and share it how would that be us being like a fraud yeah exactly yeah. but i think for a while before we even started this we felt like that yeah we, we did like, and oh. telling people about it we were like oh, do we share it with our friends do we use different names yeah like, yeah it was crazy actually have you ever had that too sharp? yeah um so uh, I think the most recent massive creative pursuit that I've done is put on a plane, obviously. You know, it was amazing, by the way. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was a, you know, there were countless times where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. You know, I've never written for theatre before, nor have I put on a plane in front of 620 people. Mm. So like, it, so cool. yeah, it's cool. It's also super nerve wracking. And, yeah. you know, when you have um, people, experienced people come into your team and say, oh, have you done this, this, and this, this, and this? I'm like, I've never even heard of some of those words before. So all of a sudden, you know, I've got this label as a director and quite frankly, I don't know half the things you just told me. So yeah, in that respect, there's a lot of, there's, there is a lot of self-doubt in those moments, but I think it's also a steep learning curve at the same time, isn't it? Like you mm. come at the other end going, oh yeah, now like at least I might not be an expert, but I've got that experience. So yeah. 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 I think it's interesting that you mentioned like you felt inexperienced and yet you were like slapped with the label of director. Mm. And it's almost like we have these, like this reverence for these labels and names that we put on things. And yeah. we think that, oh, you know, a director equals Scorsese. Yeah. Um, you it know, holds weight to it. Yeah. A yeah. podcaster equals Oprah now you know yeah. like people who have experience yeah. and like are at the top of the game and we don't really consider everybody else who's working their way up yeah. and the fact yeah. that they are in fact like to be a director one has to simply direct yeah you know and that's yeah. very very simply putting it yeah. but i think there's a lot more to it but it's just interesting that i think the imposter syndrome maybe kind of comes in because we have a mad respect for the titles that we don't yeah, think we deserve. Yeah, there's certain connotations to every sort of title that you, you know, that you put forth, I think. Mm. Um, no, I do agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So then, like, the next point, which was that ideas were worthy of being shared. I understand that some people find things way too personal to share. I know totally. there's, there's one girl who I've become quite close friends with in one of my tutorials this semester, and we've been in multiple tutorials before, and we just haven't talked, and both of us think that it was a total shame that we didn't. But I found out that, like, she writes poetry, mm. and I was like, would you ever share that? And she goes, no way. Like, that's mm. way too personal. And I, I, like, madly respect that on the one hand. And then on the other, I'm like, imagine if we didn't have, like, Rupee, for instance, mm. who put out all that poetry on Instagram for free, by the way, and we wouldn't have the works that she's put forward. And I know she's, like she's quite controversial, and people don't like some of the things that she does. But like, not everybody's going to be a fan. That's fine. Um, but I think it's interesting, like the reasons that we share things, and the, yeah, and when when we feel ready to share them. And I agree with you. I totally respect, like, of course, some some creative things that you do or things that you write are just really personal, and yeah. you don't want to share them. Um, I think that's really beautiful to have things that you just keep to yourself. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. And maybe she'll share them with somebody in 10 years. Like, who knows? Mm. Well, maybe not. Um, but I, as long as it's for that reason and not because she doesn't feel like they're worthy of sharing yeah. or she's good enough or qualified enough to share them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you guys. Do you, do you feel like that there's an expectation for like young artists to share their work there's almost a mm. sort of like when are you, it's 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 more of when are you going to share your work or when are you going to publish it as opposed to are you going to 
publish it or are you going to share it around? Yeah, people like to have a solid timestamp yeah. to put on things. I know because you and I both are writing yeah. books. I'm going to yeah. out us right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's happening. Now you really have to publish it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But both of us have ideas for books, multiple, Yeah, actually. Um, and I know that I've been hit with the question a lot like, well, what's, what are you up to in it? Yeah. Or how many words have you written? And when is it going to get published? And yeah. I'm like, it's very hard to quantify that kind of stuff when you're jumping around from scene to scene and yeah. like the word count isn't set and it's a first draft. And, and there's no need to quantify it, is no. there? Like, I mean, I, um, one of the authors that I follow quite closely, he, you know, he... Um, what's his name? Brendan Sanderson. Um, um, yes. Yeah. And so I th- he, in one of his lectures, he said something that was quite, you know, it was... It was quite valid. He said that, you know, people don't, if someone wants to go play basketball once a week, no one goes up to them and says, so when are you going to play for the NBA? Yeah. It's a strange, it's, you know, it's a, it's strangely a very artistic kind of a thing. Oh, you're, you know, you're writing a song. Oh, when's it going out? You know, you're writing a book and when are you going to publish it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting, I think. That's interesting because I read the other day that the word amateur, we often associate with someone that like isn't quite qualified enough or like is working their way towards being a professional in the craft or something, but it actually is French for lover of. Mm -hmm. So it means you love something, you love to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'd kind of argue that professionals are still amateurs in that sense. It's just that we've put this second layer of meaning over the yeah, top of it. It's, it's almost an, an incorrect connotation to what yeah, amateur is. Yeah, and it's almost like, oh, they're an amateur. Yeah. And it's like an insulting kind of yeah. thing that's chucked on top of it. And you, when you define yourself as that, it's like, I don't have enough experience to qualify myself as a pro. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Again, interesting. But on the sharing topic still, sometimes people are also too nervous or... I don't know, in their head about sharing. Mm. And I know that I was in high school. I know that you were in high school as well, Tisha. Yep. I remember you told me, I would have been around you 10, 11. Right. I remember knowing that you wanted right. to get into acting yeah. and um, like writing and stuff like that. So it was no surprise to me when you got to uni and you started doing that stuff. Yeah. But to everyone else, I remember we went to one of the plays with like some of our friends slash yeah. teachers and they were like, we had no idea that Tusha yeah. liked this stuff. This is crazy. And yeah. I was like, I knew. Yeah. We would joke about like when yeah. one of us gets on Jimmy Fallon, okay. the other one has to like, we have to give them a shout out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm still waiting on that when you get there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Yeah, um, but yeah. I think um, no for me. Yeah, I think I think it was after the school musical. Where I was like, you know, there's no point in sitting back and going, oh man, I want to do that. I might as well just go and try it. I didn't know if I was any good, but I think um, so. I did a just you know just student theatre stuff for Suds for Sydney Uni Drama Society, and it was kind of liberating to like um, audition and perform in front of a group of people that you don't know. And that you might not see again, because um, you don't really, uh, for me anyway, I didn't really care as much for their judgment. I just did it for me. Um, it's a little bit different when you have people there that you know personally, and there's some sort of expectation that, and you know, there's that sort of added pressure that you have to deliver, um, and that's a different kind of pressure, I think. But it's, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't think I could have done a school musical because you know there's you knew everyone, you lived with them day in exactly, day out. Exactly. So you yeah. you constantly you constantly fear some sort of judgment on their behalf. Yeah. You know what I mean? But mm. I also think that it's that thing of like, like I feel like most of the time, if like if I mention to somebody that I like play guitar and I sing, mm. right? People yeah. are like, "Oh, you good?" Yeah. Exactly. And you're like, 
I don't know. Or they put you on the spot, like, let's hear something. Not really. Like, I'm just average. I don't know. It's really fun. But And then Mm. they, like, want to hear it. And then you're like, no, but I don't want to. Yeah. Like, this is just something that I love to do. It's it's actually not about being good or being bad or anything like that. Like, I feel like it's a shame that when you share something and you put something that you enjoy to do, you enjoy to do, you enjoy doing on the table, it's a shame that people are automatically like, oh, you must be really good at that then. Yeah. Because you're like, no, maybe I just love it and I want to share it with you. Yeah, you don't like, really quite know what the feedback is going to be when you put something out there, do you? No. Um, and maybe you don't want any feedback. No. Yeah, maybe exactly. you just like wanted to share. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what we have with our like sharing the things that we write. Like, mm. it's just, I mean, like we might ask each other for like, you know, do you have any like, do you have any feedback or whatever? But on the whole, it's just like, oh, this is board. something I've created. I would love to share it with you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. That opening up process when you do finally have the breakthrough and want to share with someone mm-hmm. is really fascinating to me because it, it, I mean, for me anyway, I've only really shared those like writing and like poetry and whatever else we've dabbled in um, with yeah. a few people and you are both some of those people. Um, yeah, real privileged. privileged yeah. But that's the thing, yeah. like you guys share back yeah. and it's this yeah. like beautiful creative reciprocity. Yeah. And I really, I love the relationship. I have this um, same kind of thing with another friend, Beck. Um, and like, again, that's story related. And, and you just kind of end up bouncing ideas off each other. And it's funny that once you do open up and have somebody else that like, you know, has these same almost suppressed slash um, hidden, not talents, but like hidden part of themselves. It's like a, yeah. It's like discovering the dark side of the moon on a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say dark side of a person. I was going to say, well, well no. Well, I mean, uh, you, you, it might be dark. I don't know. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really funny, I think, hearing that and then having that relationship form quite creatively. Yeah. But one of the other things I was thinking actually was that even though we're kind of given these questions all the time of, oh, well, when are you going to put that out? Or are you any good? We don't really have, I think, anyway, any um, solid foundations or groups or like platforms to go to as creatives to share with other people mm. and create the, that kind of network. Mm. You just kind of, it's kind of like you have to find the little pockets of creativity. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, so I went to Nashville in uh, July and just had the absolute time of my life. Mm going to like songwriter circles and stuff like that and it was just honestly like it was just so beautiful um and like yeah I really like to write songs and I was thinking that would be so nice to like find something like this and it's hard to find Mm. like I've been googling and trying to find things and it's really difficult to like I don't I, I just don't know how you do that where do you find that crowd of like I don't know yeah. and then do you just take classes for yeah. like yeah. songwriting and writing and like what how does that get you anywhere and what does that really do for and your what creativity does that really, right yeah. Um, yeah what do writing classes teach you you know have you taken take? any no no um, but again I'm in no position to say that they do work or that no. they don't work do you know what I mean I agree, of yeah, course yeah. they work for some people and for some others that they might mm. like not but I don't know, maybe maybe those kinds of institutions are very nice for like-minded people to come together and put on something or to like creatively express something. Um, but I do agree, it's, it, it's a bit difficult to find those groups of people. You know, it's, yeah. it's a very niche sort of a... And then it's like, yeah. Yeah. And what do you the, the easy answer is exactly. start one, exactly. but exactly. Exactly. easier yeah. said than done. Mm. Yeah. 
We should start one. We should start yeah, a society. We also have the question of credibility, right? So with yeah. this data group that we that I was a part of, realistically, we're a bunch of amateurs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, amateurs in the sense that that we're not experienced yes. in any way, shape, or form. Uh, a lot of us aren't really doing anything uh, theatrical related. Um, you know, we're not trained to be theatre professionals or thespians or any sort of creative people. I mean, it's a hobby, but realistically, why would anyone come and watch us? You know, what credibility do we have to say, yeah, I'm a director, realistically? Yeah. Does that mean? I think that there's a lot of self-doubt that stems from that, I think, mm. if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, what about in the workplace? Yeah. Like, I mean... Like we were saying earlier, like in our early 20s, we're doing a lot of things for the first time and getting a lot of those jobs where like you just, you go in, get thrown in the deep end, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys experienced the same kind of like imposter syndrome feelings in a workplace environment? Um, I've actually felt it in interviews, which is probably worse because it maybe hinders <laughs> your ability to get the job. Yeah. But I remember, um, and this was just for an internship last year, I, I went for an interview and I sh- had like no idea where it was. So I got off the train and like was trying to figure out the roads in the city to this place and had to wait there and I'd never done any PR work before. And the interview itself was weird because they kept like asking if I had any questions and I was like I mean I came prepared I? I was like I came prepared with three things that had set me up for like you know I was going to be good but I thought I was the one being interviewed like ask me the questions it was just it was I don't know it threw me for a loop I remember in that interview I remember walking out thinking I suck at interviews so badly and I was, was never going to get that I've actually found I'm not too bad at interviews now yeah. um, but that's after a fair bit of practice I think, but this interview went terribly. Um, like I had a blister on the back of my feet afterwards because I'd walked so far and I'd gone too professional and worn heels. It was just because I didn't want to feel like I was an imposter in there. I wanted to look businessy and professional. Um, but then you feel almost even more because you're yeah. like, I'm wearing this costume. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was just, I remember in that moment walking out of the building being like, I totally didn't get that. But also, I'm never doing this kind of thing like this again. Like, you either take me as I am. Like, I bring what experience I have to the role and you want it or you don't. It's a learning curve, isn't it? It's a learning curve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And every interview since then, I've done it far better in. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, in every single one of my clinical placements throughout my degree, I probably felt like a an absolute fraud mm, mm. um, only because you know the thing that we're constantly told is fake it till you make it oh I hate um, that yeah I mean uh, oh, I don't, don't know how, like when do you make it like you know like how do you how do you know when you eventually make it it's a very mm. sort of an up in the air kind of a phrase so yeah there, there is always you know when you're dealing with clients or patients and you kind of see your supervisors so definitely do what they do and you're sort of looking at them going man that's what I need to do in a few months or, you know, next year or the year after. So, yeah, you definitely feel a bit like, oh, no, I don't know if I'm qualified for this. I, I have those feelings now. Mm. You know, ideally, if I'd start working next year, I definitely have those feelings now. I'm like, oh, man, you know, that that is that is expertise at its best, watching them do what they do. And then when you're sort of expected to do that, you're not. But in your head, you're kind of expected to do the same things that they do. You know, they have like 20 years experience. You have four years of being a student. Yeah. So you're not expected to to be like that you do have the support systems in place but mm. there is still that sort of pressure yeah pressure that sort of self-doubt nibbling away at you inside in your head i think yeah 
Yeah. It was interesting as well. I don't want to make this like a gendered conversation, but mm. um, like when I was researching for this episode, there is a lot of like discrepancies between like men and women and imposter syndrome. And obviously it's something that everybody can, can experience. Mm. But um, a few years ago, Hewlett Packard did a study and found that of their employees, men would apply for a promotion generally when they felt that they met 60% of the job requirements, whereas women would only apply when they met 100%, hmm. which is really interesting. Mm. And, and the same goes for like pay rises and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's an interesting, subtle yeah. like, I think... result of workplace <laughs> sexism. But yeah. yeah. Actually... Or just social conditioning, probably more than that, maybe. actually. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean... Now that we have both genders at the table, yeah. have you applied for a position and felt like you only fulfilled some of the job criteria, or have you always tried to go for 100%? I I mean, I would try, I don't know, to be honest, because the only job I've done so far, the last four years, is tutoring. I don't have a lot of other, mm. you know, there's not enough time until the placements and, yeah. and work. What about just applying for things in general? Yeah, there's always, oh man, it's hard to sort of compare, isn't it? Cause, yeah. Yeah. It's I, all work. Yeah. It, I would say, yeah, no, there's definitely been moments where I'll be like, you know what, let's just go for it. Let's just do it. I might not yeah. be 100% qualified. But Which I think is great. Yeah. I do too. And we should all do it. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't happen all the That's time, the, I'll, yeah. I'll admit. But yeah, there's definitely been moments mm-hmm. where I was like, yeah, let's do it. I think that theatre thing was probably one of those. Like, you know, oh, yeah. I've never done it before. Let's mm-hmm. just do it. Let's just see how it goes. I've yeah. taken on that mentality a lot recently. Yeah. yeah. Where it's, and I, it's going really well for you. It's going pretty well yeah. right yeah. now. <laughs> um, yeah. But I remember very vividly, a couple of years back anyway being like oh, I, I would never think of going for like a mooting competition or um like, what yeah, <laughs> mooting I would have probably never thought that you should go to a mooting no yeah, I well I mean but like I would I would just never think to go for things because I was so underqualified either because I was getting passes or credits or like mm. um I was I didn't fulfill a certain criteria yeah. and unless I was like you know what I fulfill pretty much 100% of what that is requiring me to do yeah. then I'll go for it because if I couldn't like I don't know photoshop something because yeah. I wasn't good enough at it I'll be like oh mm. no there's no way I could do that job yeah. like they they're requiring way more when other people probably would just as like I was probably just as qualified if not more than yeah. other people that yeah. did go for it yeah. male or female that's interesting that your grade sort of impacts on what you wanted to, mm. didn't want to do yeah, yeah. Um, and is that because you thought like you had an academic responsibility before you did those kinds of things or what was I mean kind of but I mean with law competitions like that I think the reason I never went for that was because there were other kids kids there are other students yeah. other peers who I knew knew right. things inside out and back to front I had yeah. this massive passion and I think it was an imposter syndrome of I don't have that same yeah. level of drive I wonder how often that happens when people get intimidated by looking at everyone else in the crowd comparison right? is a yeah, killer exactly. yeah exactly yeah um, but I think yeah very recently I've taken on the idea of you know what fuck it yeah, I'm just gonna go for it and it's paid off very well like backing yourself Can pays off um, I think we can swear. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Keep, I mean, like. I mean, not not overboard. Not but, excessively, yeah, exactly. but. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. We we've yeah. thrown a few f bombs and okay. shits around in in previous episodes. Okay. Yeah.
Um, there was this really interesting opinion piece in The Guardian earlier this month. Shout out to Lucy for um, sending it to me. Thank you. Um, but yeah, by Natalie Ola um, called Imposter Syndrome is a pseudo-medical name for a class problem. Um, and it was a really interesting read. I definitely recommend having a look. Yeah, the, the subtitle was, let's stop using this shifty term. It just encourages people to blame themselves for deep structural unfairness. Mm. And it was, yeah, kind of saying that we're making something that is a social issue a personal issue by putting this label on it um, and saying like, oh, I have imposter syndrome, they have imposter syndrome, that's why they didn't go for this or they didn't get that when actually um, it, it's a reflection of like class issues. And this, um, this article is from the UK, so class issues are like slightly more like... Prevalent. Prevalent slash like noticeable I would mm. say um but I, but I think that I think that a lot of this stuff s- still applies and yeah there were some really interesting statistics like um okay consider the fact that while those who have been privately educated account for only seven percent of the UK population 65 percent of senior judges and similar and a similar proportion of the current cabinet nevertheless went to private schools and it was the same in creative industries with only 18% of people working in music and the performing and visual arts growing up in a working class household. And 13% in film, 12% in TV and radio. With this in mind, if you're a state school graduate from a working class background working in the media, then it's understandable if you feel like an imposter. Wow. Mm. Um, powerful statistics, mm. really, really interesting. Yeah. I don't know if shocking is the right word, but it's it's and kind of eye-opening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this, uh, sorry, I don't want to make this political. No. But um, like this article was saying that like they don't like they bet Boris Johnson has never experienced imposter syndrome. <laughs> and same like I mean I don't think someone like Donald Trump has ever felt like yeah. an imposter at all. Like, and it's just it's just interesting to think about those things. Whereas like you know I was reading Michelle Obama's talked a lot about like feeling like an imposter or a fraud um, as has like mm. Maya Angelou and you know like pretty interesting how many celebrities at the top of their game still feel like they're yeah. frauds yeah um, yeah yeah I think that is because of the idea of when do you make it exactly yeah. You you can never quite. It's like the yeah, idea why of that phrase is kind of annoying. Yeah, doesn't really give you an answer. Does it's it? like when when you get when I get to this, I'm going to be happy. When yeah. I achieve this, yeah. and you get there, and not much has changed, and it's just the workload that got you there, and like the the mm. drive. That and I, I also of, think the higher you get, the more you're aware of other people maybe questioning whether you deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. it might also be that I think one of my clinical educators once told me that if you're ever comfortable in your career, it means you're not growing. Yeah. So it could very well be, you know, yeah, you've got to a certain place and if you're not feeling comfortable, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that there's more to learn and that there's more to improve on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's I think. a really good point to end on, actually, yeah. is that rather than feeling insecure and, and doubting yourself, you should see it as an opportunity for growth and just yeah. back yeah. yourself and go for it. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a positive twist on something that's... Yeah. Th- that we that all might feel. Not feel. Yeah, that might not feel as, you know... Positive at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for coming and speaking with us today, Tushan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you sound a bit more happy, please. Do, do I sound sad? No, no just no, then. I am so happy. You're yeah. smiling, guys. Yeah, I'm smiling. I don't have a gun to your head. Yeah. <laughs>
thank you so much for listening to this episode of Seeing 2020. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at seeing underscore 2020. And don't forget to follow this podcast on Spotify. If you have a friend or 20 you think would love to join our conversation, please share this podcast with them. In the meantime, we hope you have a beautiful day and we'll talk soon.